Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to Me Athlete Radio. Welcome to No Meat Athlete Radio, episode 21. I'm Matt Frazier with my co-host, Doug Hay, and we are actually live in the same room for the first time recording a podcast together. All right. <laughs> uh, we're in Nashville, North Carolina. Doug came down for a holiday visit. Not not for me, but for family, really. And uh, we're recording this now with just two days left in the year. And by the time we publish this episode, it will actually be into 2014. So, we are bringing you today a special interview with an amazing and inspiring woman, Nicole Antoinette. She writes the blog LifeLessBullshit.com. I apologize for the cursing. We won't say that word too many times more this interview, I don't think. A couple. A few. So, cover your ears. Cover your kids' ears, I mean. Um, so, Nicole, the reason that we have Nicole's interview scheduled for now is because... Um, you know, mainly what the topic of that interview is, and that is her crazy goal to run across the United States in the year 2015 with a friend of hers, uh, which is pretty cool, pretty amazing all on its own. But then when you realize that Nicole, as of this point, you know, it's going to be 2014 by the time you're listening to this, has only run two marathons in her life. So throughout the whole book tour and everything else, we talked about big, inspiring, crazy goals and the idea that setting something that really is kind of beyond what you're capable of now and just so inspiring that you're actually more likely to achieve that than something that's more modest and seems on the surface to be more achievable. So she's a perfect example of that. And uh, for that reason, it's it's a great interview to listen to this time of year. Yeah, I had a lot of fun uh, talking to Nicole for this interview because she's just a really inspiring uh, woman and her blog is, is, is unique. You know, she uh, takes a different approach. It's it's like she's having a conversation with you. Really informal, you know. It's just plenty of swearing and <laughs> and uh, I don't know. It's it's just a lot of fun. And she and she's a she's a funny funny woman. And we had a really good time talking to her the other day. Yeah, check out her. Uh, for those who haven't seen it, check out her review of my book. I had asked her if she would write a review <laughs> of it with the print book when it came out a couple months ago. And uh, she said, "Yeah, I'll write a review." And then when she actually did, it was—it just wasn't what I was expecting. It, it was plenty nice. It was just—it was just kind of funny. So just check it out. Uh, it, you know, you'll find it back in September on her blog or October, I guess, on her blog. All right. So before we get to the interview, I just want to mention really quick: my book, "Wake Up: Thirty-One Days and Actions to Take Charge of Your Life," is available right now. And as a very special bonus, Nicole, our interviewee, has offered up her goal-setting formula book, which is called "15-Step Bullshit-Free." Goal setting formula. It usually sells for $28. She has been kind enough to throw that in completely free as a bonus um, if you buy the new Nomi book, Wake Up This Week by Next Monday. So you can do that at nomeatathlete.com slash 31 dash days. You'll find all kinds of details and things there about my book as well as the bonus with Nicole and a very special interview that I did with. Leo Babalta from Zen Habits, who we managed to, to <laughs> mention every single podcast. So it was only fitting that he would be the bonus interview. All right. So with that, enjoy the interview. Um, be inspired. Allow yourself to think big. I mean, look, Nicole's a real person. She's actually doing this. Uh, and, you know, and, and that's what we hope, that, that you will do the same thing around this time of year. Okay. We're here with Nicole Antoinette. Nicole, thank you for joining us today on the NMA podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, me too. I'm excited. Um, ever since we we met, met and hung out in LA for a little while, had some dinner when I was out there and talked a lot about big, scary goals of which you have um, a pretty gigantic one of your own right now. And I I just figured it'd be a great one to post around the New Year's when people are tending to think about goals. And that was a big theme of my talk on the book tour. So uh, I'm excited to talk to you about that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm obsessed with the process of goal setting and kind of everything around that. So <laughs> this is a topic I love talking about. Right, and and Doug, who's on with us today, uh, he also has set recently a big goal of his own, and uh, we'll get into that in just a few minutes. So um, let's just get it right out there. I mean, you have this monster goal, and I think to kind of flirt around it and not even 
get into it would be a little bit nuts uh, to try to delay that. So, Nicole, tell us about this this monster goal, and I assume you know which one I'm talking about. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, March 1st, 2015, um, my friend Liz and I, our goal is to run from Los Angeles to New York. So to take about five months, probably, and run across the country. That's my, my big, unrealistic, crazy, <laughs> insert whatever <laughs> adjective you want here, goal. <laughs> nice. Wow. That is that is crazy, and even crazier in my mind when uh, when you think about your running history because you run is it is it one marathon or two? Two. Two. Okay. So I mean, usually when when people talk about running across the country, to me, I'm thinking okay, ultra marathoner who routinely does hundred milers and has you know puts in a couple hundred miles a week or not a couple hundred but you know a hundred plus miles a week sometimes someone who's super super serious like uh, you know tons of mileage tons of experience. The fact that you would set this goal um, with with a relatively small amount of experience, I mean, not, not compared to an average person, but compared to the average person who runs across the country, is uh, incredible to me. And, and I, I think it's commendable, too. So uh, I'm excited to, to talk about this. So how, like, how did it come about? What, you know, how, how do you go from, from having done two marathons to saying, this is what I want to do next? Yeah, that's that's the big question, right? I mean, and now it's it's funny. It's funny when people tell me, you know, oh my God, that's such an impressive goal. That's such this. And like, well, right now it's just completely terrifying. It'll be impressive if I actually do it, I guess. <laughs> but um, no, it's my my running history is a little interesting. I you know I was really the quintessential beginner. I never played sports, never did really anything active ever, not even as a kid, not in high school, come up with. And that was to run a half marathon. Like that to me was, I'm going to sprout wings. I'm going to fly to the moon. There's no way this is going to happen. It was, I mean, I could not wrap my head around it, but I'm a big believer in, in unrealistic goals. Um, because I think that that's the only thing that really lights you up. I think unrealistic goals paired with really small, very realistic day-to-day action steps. Like that's, that's how you make stuff happen. And so this, this big goal to run across the country was kind of a progression from there. You know, I ran the first half marathon um, and then decided to do a second one to prove it wasn't a fluke. <laughs> and then, you know, it's kind of went from there. I had different goals and then decided to do a marathon, did a second marathon and realized I'm much more motivated by longer distances than faster times. And, you know, I I wanted to do something huge. And, you know, I, I run a site called lifelessbullshit.com. That's, that's my full-time job. And I, I help people change their stories, the ones that they tell about themselves to themselves, because I, you know, I truly believe that you can't change your life until you change your habits and you can't change your habits until you change your story. And, you know, I still have a lot of stories, you know, negative ones that I tell myself that, you know, I, I, I quit when things get too hard. I can't handle being uncomfortable. I can't stick with things over a long period of time. And, you know, this goal is really the way for me to change that story and to hopefully kind of put that message out there on a broader level that, you know, anyone can change their story. And that's the first step to doing whatever it is you want to do. Yeah, absolutely. That's, uh, it's, that's interesting. I have never really thought about that, uh, as a reason to set a goal, like, like, you know, not just because this is what inspires me right now, but this is the goal that I need to have, like as far as because it's going to bring out something else in me. But to some extent, um, for me, that that's what the book tour was. It was um, a, and I think of that really like like any other goal. I mean, it's it's easier to drive across the country than it is to run across it. I think a little bit, but uh, you know, for me, it was it was really tough to get out there and and know that I was going to give 40 talks and have audiences showing up there um to, there to see me not not to see something else and then me be a part of it like at a veg fest or something like that but but to actually be the uh the center of attention for that stuff that was that was kind of a scary thing for me just because i'm i'm naturally kind of uh the quiet type and you know don't want to be the center of attention so now, now that you say that i sort of recognize that um that's just a big reason why I why I decided to do that, or, or after I decided to. One of the things were that that I thought, you know, wow, that maybe would be really really good for me to actually go make myself do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, that's how that's how we push ourselves. I think you know, if if you set a goal and you think, oh yeah, I got this totally. You know, I know exactly how to make this happen. It, it's not big enough. You know, it's. I mean, that's for me. People keep asking me why I'm doing this. I mean, it's because I sincerely don't think that I can. Like, I there's I can't wrap my head around any part of doing this. And I've talked to other people that have, you know, run across the country and gotten a lot of good advice, but still in my head, I'm like, (laughs) yeah, okay. Like I don't think I can do it, but I know that I can take one step at a time, you know, like anything else. And that's, 
right. that's I, that's how you grow. You know, if you know exactly that, you know, for you with the book tour, if it's, oh, this is going to be so easy, I'm totally comfortable with this, then I don't know, it's not really worth it. So, so would you say, is there, with this goal for you, is that the entire appeal? Like, I'm doing something that's, that's really, really hard and, and right now I can't do? Or is it, is there something about it? And I'm interested to hear, like, what you think about with goals in general. Um, is that enough for a really strong goal just because you can't do it and it's a challenge? Or is there something super rewarding to you about the actual process of taking five months to run across the country and, and you know, whatever good comes, you know, just the way you connect with whatever, all that time on the road, seeing different parts of the country, meeting people along. I mean, is all that a big part of it or is it is it mostly that it just seems so hard? Um, I think it's all of it. Um, and I think that there's probably a lot of it that I can't even conceptualize yet. You know, like this will, it, I'm, I'm at the point where I'm trying not to make it mean anything or try to force it to mean anything, if that makes sense. You know, I, I like to just try to have the experience without trying to <laughs> know in advance what it's going to be like, because I mean, I have no idea what this is going to be like, but for me, it's kind of an intangible thing. It was as soon as I had this idea, it was, it was something I couldn't shake. You know, it was this like sexy, exhilarating, terrifying, like in that for me, it, it when it sparks something, you know, whatever, whatever the goal is, if it's business related, if it's, you know, anything else, wanting to write a book, you know, whatever the thing is, if it's that thing that like really gets under your skin, especially if you can't really explain why, I feel like that's, that's enough of a reason to kind of start pursuing something. And, you know, for me, I'm a big believer in not setting goals just for the sake of setting goals. I think that life isn't about checking a bunch of stuff off a list. It's, you know, for me, it's more focusing on the goals that you have an emotional attachment to, you know, it's not just what you want, but why you want it. And, you know, it's, I try to spend a lot of time thinking about not really what I want to do, but how I want to feel. And, you know, the, the action steps that it takes to reach any big goal, kind of the doing those steps in the pursuit of that, I feel like should make you feel the way you want to feel, you know, 90% of the time. And that's, that's what makes it worthwhile. It's not just checking it off. I mean, accomplishment's great, but you know, it's, it's more how I want to live on a day-to-day -day basis. And I think that, you know, getting to New York, obviously I'm, sh I'm sure that's going to feel incredible, but it's more that pursuing this goal, even from now until March 1st, 2015, kind of the changes that I'm going to have to make in my life, um, you know, to set myself up for success with this are all things that I think will make me happy and fulfilled and you know, so it's it's kind of about the the role that the steps take in my life, if that makes sense. Yeah. So what do you think the biggest challenges are going to be for you leading up to it? Is it more the physical training or the log logistical stuff, mental? What do you think the biggest challenge going into this um, this run is going to be? Um, right now, I think the biggest challenge, you know, just kind of current today is that I'm in kind of a weird time frame with it, meaning that I know that it's happening, but it's kind of too far for too far out for me to really do anything about it. So I'm in this weird kind of like holding pattern. Right. Um, so that's definitely challenging when it comes down to the actual training. I mean, I know that there's going to be, it's, it's going to be physically very difficult. You know, I, I have a great running coach and um, he, he thinks this is possible and that I've got this <laughs> and the hardcore training, you know, really starts next fall. Um, so I'm apprehensive about the physical stuff, but it's going to be more, I just, I trust that he's going to get me there. Um, the, the biggest thing, I think the biggest challenge is going to be planning the route. I, mm -hmm. I, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, I, um, I put, you know, Santa Monica to New York in like Google maps, like walking directions. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, that was a mistake. Cause that's the scariest thing I've ever seen. And <laughs> it's it, because you can't, you know, you can't run on the, you know, interstates and uh, just trying to like figure out a, a puzzle that's that big and you know when we're in bigger cities it's I don't think it's going to be as difficult or when we're near bigger cities I've had lots of people that say hey you can crush on our couches this kind of stuff but you know there's going to be plenty of time where we're I mean legit in the middle of nowhere <laughs> you know so right. I think that trying to wrap our heads around the route um you know and just how that's gonna work on a day-to-day -day basis is is the thing that I think is going to be most challenging Wow, that's that is something else. <laughs> just now that you say all that, it just makes you realize how much there is that goes into it. Um, so I, I guess before we get into all the, I do want to talk more about goal setting and get into like some actionable stuff and um, you know hopefully inspire people if they're not already. But I'm kind of curious just about some of the details about this run. Uh, you said five months, so how what's that amount to per day on average? 
So, I mean, we're certainly not trying to break any records or anything, clearly, but uh-huh. um, it's, I mean, when we first, first started talking about it, our initial throw it against the wall thing was about 30 miles a day, four days in a row. And then every fifth day would be a rest day. And then we'd give ourselves like 30 or 35, like flex days for when we need extra rest, or if we want to stay extra time in a city. But the, the more that I think about it, the more that, um, you know, I talked to my coach about it, it's really going to depend on how our bodies adapt to training. Anything that I plan or say right now is complete speculation. So, you know, (laughs) once I start, and I'm sure that's, that's similar with other kind of ultra goals and stuff. It's once I start seeing, you know, maybe my body much prefers 20 miles at a time or a marathon a day or 30 or more, you know, and maybe it's totally different day to day. So right now I'm trying to, you know, be rock solid on the end goal, meaning that I know what I want to do, but try to be really open to the way that that happens. Because I think that if I get too locked into any one, you know, it has to happen this exact way that I'm going to get frustrated and disappointed. And it's just too big of a goal to do that. Yeah. Right. How are you, how are you planning to, um, carry your stuff? Yeah. Good question. Um, so right now (laughs) we're planning on having a a support vehicle. Um, you know, we talked about doing it self-supported and I just, I'm all set on like pushing a stroller, like through Kansas, like I I can't, you know? And, um, so we talked about doing an RV, but, um, the couple of the women, uh, cause there's a couple hundred people I think that have done this before, but only 20 or 21 women. It's not that many. And I was lucky to have, you know, long in-depth phone conversations with two women that have done this in the past few years and they were wonderfully helpful. And, um, one of them had an RV and she said there were definitely a lot of advantages, but there were huge disadvantages, like lots of maintenance stuff, um, like certain places where the RV couldn't go. And it was just a really big hassle and it's really expensive. Um, So um, I think that our plan is just going to be like a van, you know, like a 15 passenger van. Ideally I would love to find the right sponsor to do kind of like van insurance and gas. Cause that's the biggest expense. And, you know, we'd love to work with the, you know, the right brand for something like that, but you know, we're going to have one or two people come with us to to drive that and then just bring absolutely as little as possible. Sure. There we go. Any sponsors listening? Look her <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, right. right? <laughs> com. Yeah. Um, I mean, seriously, maybe. Who knows? Um, and, and you happen to be – or not happen to be. I mean, that's sort of how we got to know each other. But you uh, eat a plant-based diet, so I imagine you don't have plans to change that before this run. I do not have plans to change that. And actually, when we're talking about challenges, that's something else that I'm a little bit nervous about um, because I eat such kind of a, a specific way at home, you know, a lot of fresh whole foods, you know, farmer's market, you know, every week, a couple times a week, stuff like that. And that's just not, especially if you don't have an RV and you don't have a fridge or, you know, so that, that piece is really up in the air for me of what to do when it's going to be four or five days, what, you know, between kind of like bigger city stops, you know, I'm not just going to like roll through a random drive-through in the middle of it. They're just not, it's, it's not going to have what I want. So that's definitely going to be a big piece of it for me, especially because I can imagine I'm going to need to eat an insane amount of food. So trying to, trying to figure that out um, right now seems really overwhelming. And again, I'm just going to kind of trust that as I start to do more of this training and, you know, start to look into it more that I'll figure out what works for me, but no, I definitely don't have, you know, any, any plans to change that the plant-based diet. You know what you need, Nicole, is uh, Bread and Brazier's thing, uh, Thrive Foods Direct, where they like deliver the food <laughs> anywhere you want. I know, right? He, yeah, he's he's great. He's a big reason that I got into um, the you know plant based stuff, and I I definitely love you know his products. I don't eat a ton of like processed stuff or you know basically things that aren't whole foods, but his you know, products are definitely the exception to that. And yeah, so right. yeah, Thrive Foods, like the corner of this random dusty highway in the middle of nowhere, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you never know. Maybe, they'll, maybe but, they'll get the van too. Right. And, uh, but honestly, <laughs> maybe not that specifically, but kind of finding those companies whose packaged stuff, you sure. know, does sit mm-hmm. well with me, that's going to be a big part of it because realistically, I know that I'm not going to be eating the exact same way that I am at home, of course. And, right. you know, so it's, it's just figuring out, you know, what my body's going to need and what the easiest way, you know, to get that and bring as many bananas as possible, I guess, and go from there. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, like when you start, just load up with bananas and just hope they don't go bad. Right. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So, will you? Do you know if you will be the first? Um, I don't. Are you? You call yourself vegan, Nicole? I don't know if you do or not. I know. I, I mean, I, I based. 
depends who I'm talking to, honestly. Um, <laughs> if it's someone who's not super familiar with kind of like this world, I will just because I think that that's the most easy thing to understand. But, you know, real, the, I mean, I guess obviously, as you know, the real meaning of the word vegan, it's, you know, you're not owning anything that has any animal products in it. It's, it's all specifically, right, right. you know, and, and I haven't taken it to that level. So I'm careful not to use the word because I don't feel that my lifestyle represents it the way that I, that, you know, that, that it, it's meant to be. Um, so that I just depends who I'm talking to. Gotcha. So I, what I was asking was, will you be the first woman who eats a plant-based diet to run across the country? Because I, I believe there are vegans who have, if not, haven't done it. If they haven't done it yet, there are some who I know, one of whom is going to be on our podcast, I think, um, are planning to run across the country next year. And, but they're men, the one I've talked to. So I'm wondering, maybe you'll be the first vegan woman. That is an interesting question. I have no idea. I hadn't thought about it, but now I'm taking notes and I'm going to go seriously <laughs> research that. So I, it's, it's quite possible. I mean, if it's only been 20 or 21 people last, right. I think last time I checked that there's, you know, a, a pretty good chance. And my friend Liz, who's doing it with me, she's vegan also. So it's oh, okay. going to be at yeah. least, you know, in terms of figuring out the food stuff, we eat the same way, you know, so right. we're in it together. <laughs> cool. So and is yes. Liz, oh, go ahead, Doug. is, a. Uh, is is Liz was was she as excited about this idea as you were from the beginning or did you have to kind of convince her to do this with you? No, it's it's funny. It we kind of came to the same idea at the same time. She actually lives in in England and we've never met in person. So that's a whole oh. other like wow. part of this. Um you know, we met I think through Twitter, through, you know, blogging and you know, became, you know, went from the blog comments to the emails to, you know, the we Skype, you know, once a week or so. And, um, you know, she and I have very similar philosophies on kind of the bigger picture of running and, you know, running as a lifestyle. We both binge watch like all the documentaries about running we can get our hands on, you know, all that kind of stuff. And we, it was a weekend in February, this past February, where I watched a couple things running the Sahara, you know, was one of them. And I thought, oh my God, I got to do something huge. And she had met one of, I'm, I'm blanking out on the woman's name, but uh, a really big ultra runner, you know, over in the UK, who's done, you know, a, a ton of stuff and she's, she's older now. And she basically had the same thing. Oh my God, I want to do something. And we emailed each other virtually at the same time. Like we got to do something. And it just, I said, you want to run across the country with me? And she was like a hundred million percent. <laughs> yes. And so it just, wow. it was one of those things, you know, right thing, right time. And then she realized you meant the U.S. and not, not, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And so every, you know, now it's even every couple of days, you know, one of us will email the other and it's just all caps, like key punching America run, America run, you know, that's <laughs> right. so we're both really excited. Oh, that's, that is cool. And amazing. Um, the last question I want to ask about that. And before we get onto the goals is, do you have any plans, um, to run ultra marathons or anything, anything, you know, besides training miles, and I'm assuming you'll do some some long stuff. I, I mean, of course you will. But um, any plans like to run ultras or, or races, or is it just going to be kind of your own, um, you know, running on random highways and stuff? Yeah, you mean as part of the actual run or leading up to it? No, just just leading up to it. Like, will you will you do a 50 mile run or something? Anything longer than what you might do in a in a like? Let's say you end up trying to do 30 miles a day for most days, and with the days off. Um, is is running ultras part of your plan to get there like to do 50 or 100 miles in a in a single day just to kind of you know build up endurance or, or whatever else that gives gives to you mentally or physically um yes and no this is actually an interesting thing that happened for me this year i you know like i said the binge watching the documentaries the reading all the books i love everything about kind of ultra endurance sports from just a psychological perspective i'm totally obsessed with it and i always thought that's where things were going for me because i'm so you know, so much more motivated by these longer distances and faster times. And um, I actually had planned to do uh, the North Face, uh, the 50 miler in the Bay Area this past Oh, that Leo just did. Leo right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I registered for that, you know, a while ago. My coach said it would be a good fit. And then turns out, <laughs> once I actually started doing trail running, that I hate trail running. <laughs> so that was something that I never, ever expected. And I, it just... It's just not for me. I mean, I could do it, but it was one of those decisions where I realized I running is something that I do for fun. And it's why am I going to push myself to do all of this training and all of these types of races, these really mountainous things, you know, technical trails, things that I, I don't enjoy. So, you know, I pulled out of the race. I did something else instead. And, you know, obviously in this kind of cross country run, there will be 
different terrain. It's not just all going to be road stuff. And I'm fine with like dirt track type type things. And it's even if the terrain isn't great at certain parts, it's part of a larger goal that I care about. But, you know, so I'm kind of in a weird place with the ultras because obviously, as you guys know, that's the majority of ultras are going to be that type of stuff. I know that there are some road ultras and some other options that just to be honest, I haven't looked into in as much detail yet, but I, I'd love to do it if, if it makes sense. All right, then let's shift gears. Um, you know, I mean, you, <laughs> it, it's easy to forget that we're talking about running across the country and you've run two marathons. I mean, it's, it's incredible. <laughs> I don't, I don't want that to be lost on people that, that you, you know, I, we talk about setting huge goals and setting the goals that, um, you know, seem some part of you thinks are unrealistic because that's what makes them so exciting. Like when you just think about what's realistic and like, oh yeah, I could probably do that. Um, it's just not very motivating and and maybe that you know maybe that means it'll be easier to get there of course it does but it also means that when the obstacles come up which they do with any goal that's really worth going for um then then you're gonna be then you're gonna have more trouble sticking with this really tough thing because it's not something that is so so exciting to you like this is so it's just such a good example of setting a goal that that you know, to, to other people when they hear that they would think that's so far beyond what is reasonable or realistic or achievable uh, so I think that's that's such a great lesson, and that really is is the lesson I hope people take from this. But um, so I I guess the first thing I'd want to know is this is a longer term goal. This is more than this is what a year and a half from happening now. And when you set this goal, it was two years from happening, right? Yeah. Okay. So how do you stay focused? And you've mentioned this a little bit how you were in this weird holding pattern. But what I'm wondering is how do you like do you have any strategies for uh, staying focused and excited about a goal that is not in the really near future, because any goal I've ever done uh, has, you know, any goal I've ever really set and and paid attention to and tried to go after has been within a year time frame. Now, often I've been wrong, like with my my goal of qualifying for Boston, that ended up taking me seven years. But each time I kind of convinced myself that I was going to do it this year, and that kind of kept me going. And in hindsight it would have been much more effective to make that, say, a three-year goal, and I probably would have gotten it in three years had I laid out a nice plan for it rather than you know, trying for seven straight years to qualify that year. Uh, so I'm just kind of wondering what, for, for my own sake, really, I'd like, I'm curious to know, how do you get excited about a goal that is that far away, and how do you stay excited about it? And what do you do in the interim? Yeah, um, I think that you know this is where it's so important that you know the big the big obviously there's a big goal and big goals are sexy and you know whatever but I think that the often the steps that it takes to reach a, a big goal I mean they're very unsexy and you know it's it's easy I think one of the reasons that we give up on these big goals is because it's it's this very glamorous thing but then when you actually have to start doing the work on a day-to-day -day basis you realize oh this this is not actually quite so sexy and so it's it's being able to to figure out how, first of all, how to make it more enjoyable, but also to pick goals, kind of like I said before, where those action steps, they are for the most part enjoyable because we're not guaranteed of reaching any outcome. I mean, you have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow in a week, in a year. I mean, there's, I would be very, I think, unrealistic and to say that this is 100 million percent going to happen. I have no idea what's going to happen. I could get injured, something, you know, it could turn into something bigger. You know, it's, we never really know. And so I think that obviously, if you love something or you're really motivated by something, you're not going to love it all the time, but it, it has to be where doing the work for the most part gives you the life that you want to live on a day-to-day -day basis. And that's definitely how I feel about running. So the steps that I have to take to reach this huge goal are that's, I mean, that's kind of how I want to live my life. So continuing to remind myself about that is really helpful. I think it's easy to get discouraged when the goal, the big thing is something that you want, but you hate everything leading up to it. And every step of the way, you're like, oh, I just have to get through this because that's the only way to get what I want. Like that's honestly, they're not really the best goals if that's how you feel. So that's, that's a big thing for me. But in terms of practical, practical stuff, it's, you know, picking smaller goals along the way. So, I mean, right now I'm not training to run across the country. I'm aware that all of the training that I'm doing is focused with that in mind. And, you know, my coach knows that as well. And so it's starting to do more core work, you know, more of this kind of base building stuff that's going to help. But, you know, I'm, I, right now I'm my goal race, I'm doing the Phoenix marathon March 1st. So that's like, that's kind of where my focus is because then that gives me something that 
training for that is also training for the bigger run, but it's something that is going to be more immediate. I think you have to kind of set these like smaller process goals where you're focused on something that's going to be within like a couple month time frame because it's a lot easier to build a training plan, you know, for example, for something like that. And then knowing that, you know, essentially one process goal after a time is going to lead you to the bigger goal. Yeah, I like that. And it makes total sense. Um, I, I, I guess I worry. I think I, when I try to do this, I have trouble getting excited about that intermediate goal just because, you know, it's so it's half or less. And in your case, I mean, so much less than, than what you're really after and then what really excites you. Um, but I think that's just part of it. I think, I mean, I don't think there's any trick for, for getting yourself all amped up for, for a marathon when your goal is to run however many, you know, a hundred of them in, in five months. But, um, but good, good. I'm glad to hear that. And so I'm trying to think where to go with this. Nicole has a book for anyone listening uh, about goal setting itself. And the name of it is, let me look it up here. The 15 step bullshit free goal setting formula, which I think is awesome. I think, I think your site, Nicole is great. As you know, um, I think the attitude is fantastic. And the thing it's called life less bullshit, which is such a great title for, or I should say, I mean, the blog's called that, but, I think it's a great title for a goal setting book too, because so many people think that goal setting is exactly that. I mean, they think that, that the whole thing, um, this whole idea of visualizing yourself in some future date and going after something that's unachievable, that they think that is just basically a load of BS and it doesn't work because people have had bad experience with that. And I think people who have tried it and, um, don't get, they want, don't get what they want, then sort of get turned off with it and, and think that just stuff doesn't work. That's, that's like new age stuff and, and it doesn't work. So can you give us a sort of, um, can you give us your whole book for free? Basically just sort of read it to, <laughs> no, can you give us like how much time you have, right? <laughs> right? Well, I mean, what's not 15 steps. Give us like, like three steps to, to, and I know I didn't ask you this beforehand to, to prepare anything, but, but like, what are the three big, big points to, to goal setting that people are getting wrong or that, that you think if you just, if you can only tell somebody three steps, like make goal setting work this New Year's when it hasn't before, what can people do? Um, you know, I think that, and obviously I've said this before in a minute, people in my life get sick of hearing it, I think. But the number one thing is before you even start thinking about what you want to do or accomplish or check off, it's think about how you want to feel, you know, and because that's knowing how, how you want to feel is, is the first step because then you can really quickly see if the goals that you're setting are in line with that. You know, if, if you, you want to feel a certain, if, you know, for me, so like one of the things or kind of the three things that I keep coming back to is I want to feel helpful. I want to feel strong. And I want to feel loved. Those are my like three number one things. And, um, you know, so then when I look at something like the run across the country, you know, I know that the training for that is going to, you know, make me, not only feel strong, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, um, you know, wanting to be helpful, that kind of goes into publishing as many high quality free resources as I can on my site, you know, so it's it's picking goals that are going that are in line with like what you actually want. I think that there's a big difference between the things that we think that we should want and the things that we actually do want and just taking time before you set any goals to kind of unpack that. You know, I think we all have these knee jerk reactions to I want to start my own business. I want to write a book. I wanted this, you know, and, and maybe you really do. And if so, that's awesome. But if not, like, let it go, you know, into the, the a lot of the, the workbook, um, the 15 step workbook, it's kind of brain dumping all of these things. Like, here's all the things that I think that I want, or here's all the, and, you know, making choices more intentionally to, to see, first of all, is this your actual goal or is it a goal your parents want for you, your spouse wants, your friends? Do you think that you want this because everyone on Pinterest is doing this? Like all this messaging that, you know, we think we have to do all of these things. Actually, you don't. And I think, first of all, knowing how you want to feel and then picking the right goals for you, that will cut out, you know, a lot of the BS. And then, you know, from there, I'd say the next step is, you know, doing some serious real talk with yourself about what you are and are not willing to do to get what you want. Because if if you say, use exercise example, you know, you really want to get in shape or you really want to, you know, build running as a regular habit, you know, and you think I want it so badly, so therefore it's going to happen. But 
as I think every one of us and everyone knows that it's not the case. It's not like a light switch where, Ooh, I want this really bad. So poof, like it happens, you know, it's, we, there's a reason why you're not currently doing it and why you haven't been doing it. And I think sitting down and, and looking at how you spend your time, um, you know, and all of these kind of like lifestyle things and really get specific with yourself about what you are willing to change to, to, you know, to kind of fit these new habits into your life because nothing changes if nothing changes, you know? Yeah, I like that. And I like that you do focus on habits and, and you, as you said at the beginning of this, that that it's about, um, you know, having the, the big, crazy, unrealistic goal, but then but then having the actual boring day-to-day habits and, and putting that stuff in place deliberately because that's what's going to get you there. Mm-hmm. That's it. I mean, that's, I feel like changing your life, it, it's, for me, it's a two-pronged approach. With number one, it's changing your story. You know, whatever the story is that you're telling yourself as to why you can't achieve that thing or have that thing. Um, you know, you're lazy. You don't have enough money. You don't have enough time. Whatever that story is, it's changing that story and then very slowly changing your habits. And you know, I think it's a disadvantage how much we kind of glorify these you know, uh, overnight change, you know, these, the magazine article, this and the biggest loser and all this stuff, like that's, that's not real life. You know, habit change takes, it, it takes time. And it's, like I said, it's, it's not so sexy and kind of coming to terms with that and giving, taking the pressure off and, you know, being patient with yourself and realizing that gradual progress is still progress and done is better than perfect. You know, all those things, um, you know, I think it, just being nice to yourself while you're in the pursuit of essentially changing your habits is really, really important. I found that that was a big one for me. Good. Love it. So Doug, um, your hundred miler goal, that's because you saw that everybody was doing that on Pinterest, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that's so not a very good one. <laughs> no. Um, no, Nicole, Doug is planning to run his first hundred miler in May 2014, I believe. Awesome. Yes, that's correct. Yep. Yes. And uh, I think we said that on the last podcast, so that's not news to podcast listeners, but I personally am excited to follow that training. Um, Doug, have any? Have you done any any sort of – I don't even know if you're into goal setting, sort of – I mean, as far as the process goes. I mean, you, obviously, you're into having a big goal like that. Um, have you done any – any sort of like, you know, have you, well, you wrote it down on your blog. That's a, that's a thing, but are you, have you done any sort of, um, you know, steps to goal setting, like, like where you, where you do figure out there's like, I, whenever I do a goal setting program, there's like the pre work, which is like, um, finding out what you're grateful for, finding out what, uh, you know, what excites you sort of like what Nicole was saying, finding out what it is that you want. And then you get to the step where you actually go and write it down and, and write, write it on a statement somewhere that with a deadline and all that. You do, have you done any of that, Doug, or, or have you just done? Uh, I mean, is it just sort of a? To me, you seem like a guy who is much less. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what the words are, but but more uh, laid back about it. Yeah, well, I think um, I have done that. Uh, maybe a little less formally than writing it all down and and going step by step. But you know, before I, I did this before I trained for my first marathon and then ultra and and certainly with this, um, you know, having the conversation with family and friends uh, about why I want to do this, what I hope to achieve from it, um, and what uh, the day-to-day life is going to be like that. And, and like Nicole said, you know, really taking a look at what it is, what's, how it's not always going to be fun um, day-to-day, but what that is, what that's going to change, what that's going to do for me, um, and, and how, that, you know, how that will motivate me uh, when it's no longer all that exciting. So yeah, I had to do that with the 100. This is you know, uh, it's going to be more mileage, w- more weekly mileage than I've uh, done in a long time. Um, and it's going to be tough, you know, day to day. But looking at that, seeing how it's going to, who it's going to make me, how it's going to change my story, as Nicole, as Nicole says it, um, it was something, I, I, certainly something I did before deciding to do the 100. Good. I'm glad to hear that, Doug. I, I figured you would, you know, you're more of a mountain man type um I don't know. You like, you know, you go on on fast packing things. It seems to me like less, uh, less. Yeah. Well, and then that's part of the motivation behind the the race. You know, it's not necessarily whether it's going to make me fitter or something like that. It's more, you know, one of one of the motivators is getting outside and you know getting into the woods more and spending more time on the trail and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, that's going to affect my family. It's going to affect my friends because I may be spending all day Saturday, you know, out out in the woods instead of um doing sure 
stuff around the house. But, you know, but that's kind of what a big goal for me. And that's a big, big thing that, um, something that I want in my life, I guess. Yep. There you go. And bringing everybody else into it by, you know, for the reason of, of explaining to them how it's going to be. I and mean, that also has the nice side effect of creating a lot of accountability because now everybody else is involved and, uh, they're, you know, interested, they're, they're, they have a stake in you doing it and they, they want to see you do it and they want to hold you to it. If, especially if they're good and you kind of have them, um, where they are, you know, where they're there to help you succeed and, and to call you on if you're not doing something. Nicole, is yeah. that, is that something that you have done for yourself or, or that you focus on the accountability I, setting? Yeah. I mean, I, I think accountability is hugely important and, you know, it's, there's really two, you know, there's external accountability and internal accountability. And I think that, internal accountability, meaning, you know, obviously like being accountable to yourself and that you would do what you've said you're going to do, regardless of whether you're the only human for miles or not. I think that that takes time, or at least that was my experience. Um, I didn't have that at the beginning. So kind of having that external accountability um, is, is really helpful. And, you know, just having to kind of go through the process of sitting down with whoever your people are and here's what I want to do. Here's why I want to do it. Here are the changes that I'm going to make, you know, in my life to, to get it. Um, here's what it means to me. Here are ways that you could support me, you know, that just to kind of have that conversation, like you said, brings other people in, but I think it also helps, you know, solidify your own commitment to it because it's, it's the same thing. Why, you know, I remember, I don't know why this just popped into my head in high school, you know, helping someone else with their homework. It helps, you know, you're teaching someone, it reaffirms that you actually know it. And this was kind of that, the same process. And then you have people to kind of not necessarily hold you accountable in like a, did you do what you were supposed to do type of way? But it's just that other people's eyes are on it and they're invested and it becomes, you know, any way that you can make it kind of a group or community project is, is great. And I think that's going to help a lot for me with the run across the country. Cause we really want to do it community, you know, a community thing. When I first mentioned it on my site, we had, you know, tons of people that said, oh, you can stay with us when you come through here or this, you know, that we want to come out and run a couple miles in this city. And that's going to be a huge part of it for us. Yeah, absolutely. And I, my own experience doing my 100 miler, I had um, Greg, Greg Watkins, who was a guy who had some addiction problems and a bunch of other things in his life and, and got into, um, I think he'd always been a vegetarian, but never a, a healthy version of vegetarian and uh, had got into running basically and, and finding no meat athlete was a part of him kind of um, just discovering running and, and finding out what it did for him. But I asked him if he would run the, if he'd be my pacer for the, for the second part or the last 35 miles of my hundred. And that actually ended up being a huge amount of accountability for me. Cause I knew this guy was going to go there. My site had been meaningful to him and he was going to become, you know, driving up. I don't know how far it was four or six hours or something to go do this last 35 miles with me. And for me, knowing that somebody else was going to be there who this was meaningful to, because this would be his first ultra marathon an unofficial one, of course, cause he's just running with me. Um, you know, he's going to go do this for me, run through the night with me in a cranky state probably. <laughs> and, you know, with no metal to show for it or anything like that. And, you know, it was like, so I, I had better make sure that when I get to mile 65, I'm, I'm raring to go for the next 35 because someone will have been there for that purpose. So that's exactly, I mean, very much similar thing with having, having these things lined up across the country, people who are super excited to run with you, um, you know, that, that kind of just lining that stuff up now, and I know you, you haven't planned the route or anything yet, but the more you line that stuff up now, the, the, the more solidified the whole goal is becoming and it's becoming a reality as you, as you do that. And I think people kind of miss that point that even when you're not out there training, you can take those sorts of steps that that start to make it reality really i mean they start to make it like the pressure mounts and mounts so that some way or another you're going to get this thing done and like you said it's not not a hundred percent chance that it's going to happen there's there's always the possibility that that you will fail at this goal but it's just so much more powerful than than having this brilliant huge grandiose plan in your head that that no one else is involved with and no one will care if it if it just falls apart absolutely i mean i think a lot of it too comes back to just like making sure to set yourself up for success. You know, it's, we sometimes feel like that we have to like brute force, like white knuckle our way through, through certain goals or through a lot of goals. And to me, that just doesn't work. I think that anything that you can do to make it easier and more natural for yourself, I mean, anything that you can do to, to eliminate decisions, it really helps. Um, You know, I'm pretty interested in kind of the 
psychology of decision making fatigue and how essentially, you know, we have like a decision making gas tank and every decision that we make kind of pulls from it, whether it's what should I wear today? What should I have for breakfast? What should I do, you know, for, you know, with this project at work? And, you know, so deciding, okay, like this is happening for you. Like he's going to be my pacer, like done. It's happening. It it frees you up from saying, am am I really going to do this anymore? Like once you make a decision, I think that there's a lot of freedom in that. And, you know, that's why, even though it's, this goal is still such a long way away. The fact that I have decided that this is what's happening and I am setting my life up around it. You know, I know when I'm moving out, what stuff I'm going to sell, what I'm going to put in storage during that time. Um, You know, I'm planning 2014 for my business in a way that things are going to wrap up in time for me to take those five months off. Like every kind of decision that you can make that pulls you out of that. Well, am I going to, you know, it's on a day to day basis, like, at this point, I don't get up and go running because I feel like going running. I go running because my schedule says I go running. You know, it's any when you can take out that like emotional, you know, back and forth process of just doing things when you feel like them or anything like that. I think that sets yourself up for success a lot. So what happens? Do you have any point pointers or tips for when that breaks down, when you really don't feel like going for a run and when you start second guessing your um, your motivation behind the whole thing? On a one-off basis or, you know, for weeks at a time, <laughs> it's, you know, it, it yeah. definitely, it depends. Well, um, for, for weeks at a time when, when it's, you know, when like it's your slump, really starting. Like the slump, Nicole, we just, I just read about uh, your, your running slump and I'd gone through exactly the same thing where you are out on a run and you literally stop halfway through because you just don't want to do it anymore. Um, I've yeah. had that when, when the goal in front of me was not that appealing and, and maybe too big at the time. I don't know. Um, but I, I think that's what Doug is meaning. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. You know, how do you, mm-hmm. how do you. How do you get through that when when the goal's still long enough way that there's not this urgency that you have to get this done? Oh yeah, I mean, and I it's funny that you referenced that I just went through the worst running slump I've ever had. It was like five weeks where I mean everything was the worst. My body felt the worst. I hated every single run. It felt like I was running through quicksand. I wasn't motivated. I couldn't wrap my head around why anyone would ever run. Like I was really like in the deep dark hole. Like I was in the bad place with it mm-hmm. and. You know, for me, you know, the first thing, once I realized that it wasn't just because some days I'm like, I don't really feel like doing this, but whatever, you just do it. And then it kind of passes. But when I saw that it wasn't passing, you know, I said, okay, I got to take a break. And, you know, I think that that's true with with anything, you know, so I took five full days off, no running, you know, I, I, you know, I did some yoga, but it was no running. And I hoped that that was going to be enough. And turns out that it wasn't. So I realized that I didn't need a break from running. I needed a break from training. So not doing kind of these structured workouts, not having my Garmin and my heart rate monitor and all this stuff. It was like, just run, listen to podcasts, listen to audiobooks, run your favorite route, run new routes. It was kind of experimenting with, with that type of stuff. Like I said, I, I did more yoga, backed off the miles, you know, tried to kind of tried to just give myself, like I said, give myself a break. And I think that that's the number one thing that can help when you're feeling truly burnt out. But I think that with something like running, once you've been doing it long enough, you kind of know the difference between laziness and true fatigue. And, you know, if it's just I'm feeling kind of lazy at this point, then it's it's not a decision. So I just get out and I do it. But paying attention to true fatigue, I mean, that's really important because that's what helps, you know, in, stop injury and, and you know, really big burnout that's going to lead to having to take a much bigger break. So for me, just trying to kind of check in with myself when I really don't want to do something, just asking myself why. The question why I think is so powerful. You know, if it's a random Tuesday and I don't want to run, why? Because I because I'm feeling lazy, because I, I'd rather get back in bed, because it's cold, because like any of those things, if those are the reasons, I'm like, all right, Nicole, that's okay, go. You know, but if it's <laughs> if it's a bigger reason or a deeper reason, you know, just kind of taking that one second to be honest with yourself and ask why and evaluate on a case by case basis has been really helpful. All right. So I want to go back before we move on to I do I do want to talk quickly about your other things like the uh, the quitting drinking and stuff but we were talking before about setting accountability and kind of kind of bringing it into the real world and basically living your life and setting up your life um, as if as if this goal is happening or or in some in some goals and the way some people teach it is as if it has happened they say act as if and there's that whole the secret movie um, called the secret and the law of attraction and this, I mean, I'm, I've, I've heard stories about where people, and I, I believe these are true stories, but I think, I don't know, I think they're probably interpreted wrong, but, you know, where people set a goal, and, and this was like from a Tony Robbins thing. Tony Robbins said it, and I, you know, I, I tend to think most of what he does is, is pretty legit and useful, but he, he was telling the story about how these people 
in one of his seminars set this goal to win the lottery and basically went home and started acting as if they had and told everyone they had and, you know, did risky things, I think, financially even, because, acting like they had. And then sure enough, I don't know, within a month or two months, they, they did win a million dollars or whatever. And it all worked. <laughs> and, and his his point was, you know, I don't teach people ever to do that sort of thing. Like that's that's not what this is about. Um, but maybe that demonstrates that there is some some power that we don't really understand when you fully fully do you know commit to a goal, you believe it at, you know at the deepest level of your own being and and outwardly you you are acting like it that, that maybe there's something in there that does attract it. Now, when it, when you talk about lottery and a random draw, I, it it to me gets a little far fetched then because I, I tend to believe that yes, acting as if may may draw you to become more receptive to opportunities and things like that. Um, I'm I'm just wondering, Nicole, like what is your take on that whole thing? That the whole act as if the law of attraction. Do you when you have a goal, do you do you reread it every single morning and remind yourself of it? Do you do any sort of um, I guess they're called incantations, things where you kind of repeat that I'm going to do this. I mean, any of that stuff, or or are you much more practical and and uh, not not into that stuff? I'm totally into all that stuff. I, yeah. Give me all the like weird hippie juju, whatever. <laughs> I'm I'm all about it. Yeah, um, but I think. And this is obviously, I think that what we're talking about, it's different for every person. It's You kind of have to see what personally resonates with you. But my experience has been kind of marrying the two, this kind of like bigger picture, you know, the law of attraction type stuff with these like day-to-day action steps. Because I don't think you can just sit home and think this, you know, this is going to happen. This is going to happen and not take any action. And the example that you gave, you know, it's not that those people were just like, I'm going to win the lottery. I'm going to win the lottery. And I agree with you that the lottery stuff's kind of far-fetched, but it's, it's the the act of acting as if, I mean, you know, that's kind of, again, with this concept of, of changing your story, this year was really interesting for me because I put myself on a personal change your story project where I kind of identified a few, a few stories, a few kind of like self-limiting beliefs that were holding me back. And, you know, I put myself through this exercise of like actually pen to paper writing out, you know, what my current, you know, old story is and then writing out you know, in the present tense, what I want my new story to be, and then identifying a couple of, of habits, you know, daily habits and behaviors that someone who is living that new story, like how they would behave, and then starting to do those things. So I think that's kind of my version of, of the combination of both. And I found that to be really effective, because you're kind of changing your perspective and continuing to be, you know, really aware of that, while also starting to starting to take action. Um, so that's, I don't, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's definitely, you know, kind of what the process has been for me. Yeah, no, it certainly does. And, and it reminds me um, of a book that I, I told you about when we, when we had dinner, this, there's a book called you are a badass um, while we're using curse words on, on the podcast with, with your blog, we might as well recommend books called badass. And uh, that's, it's a really, I would recommend it for anyone who is like halfway interested in this sort of stuff that the, the new agey hippie, um, you know, I, I don't know the words for it, but people who are into that sort of um, stuff that's just sort of out there, um, but also really practically grounded and and more scientific minded, it really does a nice job of kind of bridging that stuff, and it's funny. So I would I would recommend that check it out if you're into that sort of stuff and into the goal setting and want to make some big stuff happen in in the next year and beyond. Then check that one out. Um, Nicole, let's let's just I don't want to go too much longer here, but you mentioned quitting drinking and we've mentioned the plant-based diet and how you've, how you, we didn't actually say what brought you to the plant-based diet, which, which interestingly to me, it was entirely for, for running sake. You, it wasn't any ethical motivation or long-term health thing, but you did it because you had read the Brendan Brazier and maybe, I don't know if ritual stuff was out by then, but you know, because you thought it would help you with your, with your physical fitness in the short term, which I think is pretty neat because there aren't that many people who come to it for that reason. That wasn't the reason that, that I came to it. Um, so that and quitting drinking, and uh, again, your quitting drinking, as you briefly mentioned, was was not because you had to stop. I mean, it wasn't an addiction issue as much as as you said it was a sleep issue. And and once you realized you, you could fix your sleep by by quitting drinking, then then you did it. Any tips or advice or just stories from your own experience about making changes like those? I mean, is it the same process for you all the time, or? Or is it because those are diet and, um, you know, maybe less exciting as a goal? Like it's, it's not, uh, it doesn't give you butterflies in your stomach to imagine 
to imagine never drinking again. Like most people, I don't think get charged up by that idea, even though they can say that like someone like me, I can look at that and say, wow, that, you know, I can see the benefits of that. And I can see how it'd be, I would probably have more energy energy if I never took another drink of beer in my life. Um, any, anything different about that? Or is it, is it pretty much the same or what, you know, how did you, how did you make those changes? Yeah, I, I actually think it's really different. And I think that the biggest place that, you know, people trip up and I can say this from my, my own experience is not putting enough weight behind the emotional side of big life changes. You know, it's one of those things where we all, if you're talking about eating better or anything like that, we know what to do. You know, it's eat this, not that it's like, that's, and if you don't know what to do, there's great resources, you know, your site, your book, and so many others that can kind of give you this step-by-step process. But for me, I found that it was really looking not just at what I was eating, but why I was eating what I was eating and, you know, how, how that came, you know, came into play. Quitting drinking at the beginning was very easy because it was such a black and white, if I drink, I don't sleep and I feel horrible. If I don't drink, then I sleep and feel great. So at the beginning, it was an easy decision to make, but it wasn't until about six months after um, I first quit drinking that I really started to realize that while I hadn't been kind of physically addicted to alcohol, that I definitely was, you know, emotionally addicted to it. And I used it as a crutch and a coping mechanism. And it was a huge part of my social life. And without that, it was, it was this strange, like I had to like learn how to feel my feelings. And, you know, you don't have those, those same things that you go to. And it was the same thing for me. Um, and when I quit, eating sugar, that was actually much, much harder. That's the hardest change I've ever made in my life. Bigger than running, bigger than anything. Quitting sugar for me was and still is, um, you know, a challenge because of the emotional side of it, because I had so many like deep rooted, like celebratory things, or, you know, this is how you get over a breakup or that like, there's just so much stuff there with our food sometimes. And, you know, we, we're never taught how to feed ourselves. You know, someone was feeding us since the day we were born and, you know, we take on our parents and all this stuff. And so I feel like changing, changing the way that you eat, it honestly can be one of the, one of the most challenging things to do. One of the most worthwhile, but it's so frustrating when we think, okay, well, I'm just going to make a meal plan. And then this is my pretty meal plan and I'm going to follow it. And then that's it. And that I'd say 98% of the time doesn't happen unless you kind of look at some of these other things and, how are you using food? How are you using alcohol? Why are you making these choices? Are you eating this way because it's convenient because that, you know, or whatever the thing is. And, you know, so for me, that was kind of the most helpful step was giving myself the time to really look at that and then giving myself um, permission to experiment. I think that the number one best habit to develop when you're talking about making changes is the habit of experimentation. Just try stuff. It doesn't have to be oh my God, I'm never going to eat sugar again. I mean, that's too overwhelming. It's like, that's how I felt. Oh my God, I'm never going to drink again. Like I couldn't even go there, you know? And it was, okay, well, I'm going to try this for this amount of time. Or, you know, as I started changing my diet, the first thing that I did was started, you know, integrating green smoothies into my life. And that was a really big change, but it wasn't, you have to have this every single morning from now until you die. Like that's, it's, it's too, it's too much pressure. It was like, well, just try this. If you don't like it, try something out. Like there's lots of different ways to get from point A to point B. And I think giving yourself the chance to just experiment with, with different things and see how you feel and take it slow and be aware that your taste buds will change and, and all this stuff um, can make it a lot more fun. Yeah. I, I, what you said about the emotions of it, I mean, that you're right about changing food habits is really tough because we don't realize how emotional we are with food and how, how big uh, a part emotion plays in it. Like I've been doing um, the eat to live with my wife recently, which is Joel Furman's thing. Um, it's, it's no oil, no salt. He says, don't drink any alcohol. So I've, I've set some uh, kind of intermediate rules, like, like no drinking at home or no, uh, you know, two drinks a week basically. And just, I'm a huge salt lover and not having, not knowing that, or knowing that there's not a beer waiting for me at the end of the night and that there's no salt on my dinner when I think about that at, at 3 p.m., and I never really realized, except for once I was doing a juice cleanse, like, or I should say, I don't know if it's even a cleanse, whatever it is, a juice experiment. But uh, when 3 o'clock comes and, and you – I didn't even realize that I thought about dinner at that point. That dinner began to creep into my mind around around 3 o'clock. But now – and I've never ever considered myself an emotional eater at all. But now, at every day at 3 p.m., I get a little bit depressed because I remember that there's not any sort of great comforting dinner waiting for me because there's no salt on it and it's not going to be all that good. And it's just, I think it's, 
the fact that these food challenges are difficult is also a reason to try experiments with your diet because I feel like if you can, if you, the more you can break emotional habits, and especially ones that you're not even conscious of, um, I just feel like that's a valuable thing to learn. And I feel like you get stronger emotionally by just kind of learning about it and, and seeing what happens when, when something is missing. Like, like, um, Leo from Zen Habits, who we mentioned, he's doing like a year of giving up where each month he gives up something. And a big part of it is just to kind of understand what sort of addictions are there in your head that, that while not physical addictions, but just like, you know, what kind of things are going on and what happens when you mess with it and take them out and say, you can't have that. Like, what are you left with? And, and how do you, how do you change and grow hopefully as a result of not having that? Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge nerd for just the process of getting to know yourself, you know, the personal development type stuff. Like I'm just very interested in like, why I do the things that I do, why people in general do the things that they do. And I agree with you. Anytime you have a chance, especially if there's a lot of resistance, you know, when I first had someone mention the idea of not eating sugar to me, like I could not have been more resistant. I was like, that girl's crazy. That's too extreme. That's never like all the and, uh, people have a lot of this same stuff with the vegan diet, you know, like they immediately rattle off all these things, but that's a clear sign of resistance. And it's not that one way is right and one way is wrong. But if you feel a lot of resistance towards something, whatever it is, I feel like that's worth looking at. Like, what's that really about? You know, how are you trying to keep yourself safe? What are you afraid of? And just that process of doing it in a less pressure experiment type way, um, you know, can can be really, really beneficial. Yeah. And I like what you said about resistance. Um, Seth Godin, one of my favorite authors, and I believe you're a fan of him, too, um, has said use use the resistance as as a kind of weather vane that points you where you need to go. Like like most people who are not conscious of of this resistance in their head, this this fear of whatever it is in their life or whatever it is, fear of doing something, failing, whatever, um, you know, don't really recognize that that it's there and that there's this thing that's happening. What Seth says is is kind of build an awareness and notice when you are feeling this resistance. And he says, mainly as an online entrepreneur and kind of doing your own thing, but I, I suppose it applies to much, much more than that, is when you have that fear, that's kind of the sign that this is the thing that you need to do. Like this is this is the thing that's going to be exciting and that's probably – the reason it's scary is because it's new and untested by a lot of people. Like that's – and that's kind of how you make major strides, especially in, in – business world or or whatever world it is that we're in it's hard to, it doesn't really make a business world but um you know i would imagine that there are a lot of things like that in 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 other worlds too i mean whatever it is that that someone is particularly interested in or where they are feeling that fear mm-hmm. absolutely all right so um we gotta go i just we're getting a little bit too long here but i did want to mention we've you mentioned the sugar thing you get you have a 30-day sugar detox plan on your site we will put links to that and actually, we'll just put a link to the homepage and, and uh, probably your goal-setting book and also a half-marathon guide too, So, which is cool, both guaranteed to be bullshit-free, just like the goal-setting guide. Um, so check that stuff out by all means. And Nicole, before we go, what is your favorite book? Because I know you and I talked about books in L.A. and uh figured we're going to start asking people what their favorite book is just because we talk so much about reading. I do. I listen to audiobooks all the time when I run. And uh just just a huge part of my life, and I think it's kind of – one of the reasons people listen to the show is for for little tidbits like this. So what what is your the book that you would recommend to the No Meat Athlete audience? Um, there's two. So the one that I've been recommending to everyone who will listen to me for one second all year is Turning Pro by Stephen Pressfield. Mm-hmm. Um, that's I mean I, I know that you've read that as well. You know, perfect for anyone who's just ready to get out of their own way, take things to the next level. It's a super short book that. I mean, changed my basically changed my whole perspective on, on anything on getting shit done. Just it was amazing. I, I I love his work. Um, and then another book that I love, and this one's probably a little bit more obscure. Um, it's a novel. It's called Flanagan's Run. Um, by Tom McNabb. It was inspired by the trans, the first original trans American foot race in the 30s. Um, it was the first organized run from LA to New York, and it's a it's a really really fun novel that I obviously I'm interested in the cross country run stuff, but I don't tend to read a lot of novels that are about running um (laughs) you know and and even though it was inspired by you know something true it it was a great read so i I loved that cool interesting and yeah turning pro is fantastic i recommend it um as well it was something that was very meaningful to me in the beginning of last year 2013 it was like the book that i read i think i read it two times like back to back in consecutive days 
um, just because it like spoke to me so much then it was exactly what I needed. So um, I recommend that one as well. Stephen Pressfield, I think it's better than The War of Art, which is I don't think most people would agree with me there because The War of Art is just has such a huge classic. I don't know you'd call it a cult following, but it's it's sort of caught on amazingly. What do you think? Better or worse or 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 not quite as good as uh, um, The War of Art? Turning Pro was more actionable for me, I will say. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that it's better or worse in terms of like how good of a read, but Turning Pro definitely had a bigger effect on my life. Is it right? Sure. Cool. All right. Well, uh, Nicole, this has been fantastic. I hope everyone checks out your site, lifelessbullshit.com. The tone is awesome. There's a lot of cursing, which is kind of funny, um, but it's done in a, in a friendly way and lots of all caps writing and just it's just I don't know it's just it's just kind of a refreshing and fun read. So, but with with really great, deep, meaningful stuff about all this goal setting and taking charge of your life and doing stuff that matters. Um, so check it out, Nicole. Thank you so much for your time here. I hope people are really inspired by this. I imagine they are. And awesome. uh, and thank I am too. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, this was so fun. Thank you. Yeah, we'll have to have you back on once. Uh... Once it's over and you can tell us all about it. Absolutely. Or when I'm in the middle of the country and I'm like crying. Oh, yeah, there you go. (laughs) You guys can talk me off the ledge. That sounds good. All right. Thanks a lot, Nicole. Talk to you later. Bye. All right. We are back. Hope you enjoyed the interview. I know I had a really good time doing that one. And um, I'm excited. This is, as I mentioned before, New Year's is my really my favorite holiday I just like the entire mindset that goes with it I'm, you know the whole resolutions thing like you're not going to magically have willpower now just because the calendar has changed and I think that's where people get New Year's resolutions wrong is they, they assume that because it's a clean slate they'll all of a sudden be able to stop smoking stop eating junk food start exercising all these things that, that ordinarily are difficult to do um, they assume that a new year means it won't be difficult anymore and of course that's not true that's why these resolutions fail but I love it as just kind of the time of the year it's it's the reminder that this is the time to check in if you haven't already this year check it now look at what you've accomplished this year and you know set plans think about what you're going to do next i i love the holiday for that reasons i i still even love just the clean slate fresh new year heading into i mean there's still some more months in winter but then you get the gradually improving weather and i don't know to me it's just it is a great time of year inspiring great time to think about this sort of stuff um so with that we will, we will, we will end it. <laughs> um, any New Year's plans for you, Doug? Anything special? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm leaving uh, Asheville later today and headed to Charlotte to ring in the New Year with some college buddies and um, yeah, my wife and their wives and you know, we're just going to out to dinner and to the bar, but um, should be a good time. And uh, yeah, <laughs> how about you? Uh, we, you know, having two kids, our New Year's have gotten pretty tame, but I'm okay. I think we'll probably crack open some, some sort of sparkling wine type deal. Excellent. Um, and just sort of keep it low key. We'll have some friends over, I believe, another couple and just kind of hang out, but nothing crazy. I kind of like, I've, I've, as I've gotten older, I've started to enjoy waking up January 1st, not being hungover. It's actually <laughs> like a strange feeling. And it's one that's, as I meant, for the same reasons I mentioned before, you wake up then and it's like, it kind of ruins it when you're when you're totally hungover yeah. and you're starting. You have all these great ideas. <laughs> so um, you don't, don't want to do anything but sit on the couch and. Yeah, exactly. So that's yeah. that's sort of a thing in the past for me in my New Year's celebrations, but I'm sure I'll have my have my days. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in, in future years. Yeah. But anyway, um, check out again. Wake up. It's at nomeanathlete.com/slash/thirty-one-days. As we mentioned in the intro, Nicole's ebook that we talked about a lot here, her goal setting formula, that is available right now as a bonus if you go pick up Wake Up. Uh, and that will only be that way through next Monday when the actual launch period ends. So head over there, check that out now. And otherwise, have a great uh, first week of this year. And we will talk to you guys with a new podcast episode sometime in mid January. Yeah, Matt, it's been fun uh, doing this together in person. And hopefully we can do some more of these. Uh... Together, yeah. Yeah. All right, Happy New Year, everybody. All right, bye, everybody.